Welcome to Hit The Six. Happy bank holiday weekend. Ah, oh, here we are. Another podcast, another debate over who's going to be the next in our England 11. Joining me this week, not just Michael, but we've got a, we've got a special guest, Mr. Sean Merriman. Sean, uh, how are you? How are you finding lockdown? Morning, Silo. Um, I'm all right, thank you. Lockdown isn't great, but I'm very happy that our cricket are nets, so that's something to look very much forward to. Nice. Sean is on the podcast because he has been diligently listening to all of the episodes and been giving us really good feedback and his own points of view. And we thought, well, let's just get this on the air. Let's get you on. Um, thank you. Yeah, welcome, Sean. Uh, Sean is also a dedicated All Shot Town fan, which makes him a really good bloke in my books. I mean, both signed up for next season, which is basically just making a donation to the club because who knows when football's going to happen. So yeah, Sean's on this for a variety of reasons, being a great guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for charitable donations to sporting institutions. Pay for my cricket club membership. Not sure I'm going to be playing any, any games this year. Signed up for my Harlequin season ticket for next year. Not sure there's going to be any games for that. Pay my MCC subs for 2020. Not sure I'm going to be going to Lords this year. So, you know, I, I think there's something to be said for just charitable donations to professional <laughs> bodies or amateur ones in some cases because they've served us so well for so long and maybe this is a chance to, to give back i don't know if you've got any thoughts on that on that michael you're right they've served us well they've given us joy they've given us grief they've been a huge part of our lives and it's not time to run away now for us if, if you're in a position where you can still pay your subs and i know a lot of people won't be but if you're in a position that you are i think why not well in the meantime well there is no sport to watch um it's a great opportunity to Think about who's going to be next in our kind of fantasy England Test 11, 2000 to the present day. So far, we've got Alistair Cook and Marcus Triscothic at the top of the order. And then controversially, Michael Vaughan selected at number three. And controversially. <laughs> controversially, Michael Vaughan selected over Mark Butcher. Well, well I, mean, I, I know history will look back on this differently. Uh, but now it's time for the, a key position, right? Number four, uh, in many ways, your best batsman. Who's going to be the one who's going to score bucket loads of runs for our England team and be the real kind of that big name that strolls out in the middle order. There's a few candidates to throw out there. Go on, Sean. Who, who, who would you say? Do you have to pick two or three that are top of your list? So I had two names which came to mind immediately and one slight curveball. My two main names were Jonathan Trott and Kevin Peterson. John, oh, interesting. So Jonathan I think Trott, overlooked Trott at three. three. Yeah, Tr- um, Sean wasn't happy that we overlooked Trot. We got an angry message about that. So, <laughs> yeah. Clearly, um, right, well, I'm going to get him in this lineup somehow. I like that. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of this. Players who are overlooked for one position, making a, making a return. So, Jonathan Trot's name thrown in early. Kevin Peterson. Uh, anyone else, Sean? Um, my curveball was Paul Collingwood. Paul oh, I like that. I like that. Up the order at four. So, go on, Michael. What about you? Collingwood was going to be my curveball at five. I think throwing Collingwood in at four in a test game is just cruel. Um, I just, I'll justify in a minute. But um, I'm, I'm also looking forward to Sean, when we get to episode seven, making the case offline that Trot should be getting put in as a pinch hitter down the order. <laughs> <laughs> or someone's brought in to add a bit of stability at number eight or something. But um, no, for me, the choice has got to be is Kevin Peterson, one of the most talented English players ever, you could say. Definitely of the last 20 years, some incredible knocks. Unbelievable, just raw talent. Um, really fun to watch. Questionable guy, but yeah, for me, it's got to be him. I guess other, other shouts could be Ian Bell. I know you're very keen on him, Rob. Um, and I probably not Collie for me, just because he's not, not, not number four anyway. How about you, Rob? 
And not the current and captain Joe Root either. I think he's got to be a name. I'm throwing right in there. Joe for me, he's coming in. Joe Root might be coming in later down. I mean, definitely could be in this thing at four, but for me, he's a one, maybe one spot down. Oh, really? I, so I, I, that's very interesting. So my three coming into it, main ones are Kevin Peterson, Joe Root, Ian Bell, and a couple of little throws out, maybe throw back a little bit to early days, a Graham Thorpe or a NASA. Um, let, having then looked up NASA, he's saying statistics on cricket info, so he only averaged 37 in test cricket. I've started to discount him quite early on. Um, but certainly, yeah, I think Graham Thorpe was in with a shout as well. So Root, Peterson, Bell and Thorpe are the four that I'm, I'm weighing up in my own mind. Um, so they're gone. let's start then with the, the outright favourites, <clears throat> most would say. Kevin Peterson, looking at his stats, of course this is across all positions that he's batted, but over 8,000 test runs, an average of 47.28, 23 test hundreds, 35-50s, a, a dominant player, some really memorable innings, fantastic double hundreds against India and Dan Under against Australia, that famous one in Oval 2005, and some, some great innings throughout his career and, and a crucial, I mean, England star player in many ways, certainly with the bat for a long period of time. Yeah, yeah why, I think, why um, wouldn't we pick him? I think KP was, um, he was a big game player, wasn't he? He just, his hundreds would take ownership of the games they were in and was a big um, reason why England was so successful. For me, England's best Test Series wins were the 2010 Ashes in Australia and 2012 in India and KP was just a massive part of that. And I had a look on um, Crick Info as well and KP actually averaged um, more batting four than he did batting five, which suggests he clearly loved he, loved, he didn't want to hang around and didn't want to let someone else score the runs. He wanted to be that guy to win games. Have you got his averages, Sean? What exactly are they? I think it's 48 batting four and 43 batting five. That is interesting. Well, I suppose part of the... He batted five earlier in his career. when I mean, yeah. once, he, once he really came into his own as an England player, he was very much at four. So you feel like that was the position where they, they got his peak years batting there. Um, but there, so yeah, averaging 48 at number four is, is pretty compelling. And Michael, any, any additional thoughts? Well, I just think, apart from a potential weakness against left-arm spin, he was a pretty complete player. In that, like Sean said, he was part of these two great series wins, away in Australia, away in India. And that shows ability to be able to play against high-quality pace bowling and high-quality spin bowling. And the way he would use his reach against spin and he'd really dominate the bowler was something that I thought was so crucial to our team because historically we weren't good at playing spin and he would lead on the front foot. And it was him and Cook that series were particularly brilliant, both doing it in very different ways. Um, But I do remember just how impressed I was by KP in that series. And then you're right, Sean, he also did step up when it mattered. 2005, at the beginning of his career, away against Australia in 2010 Ashes. Um, and I, yeah, I just think he was a wonderful player to watch and incredibly exciting. And um, kind of, he's, a, he's that intimidating batsman that I think exactly. the top teams have. That at least one player who walks out to the wicket and you're like, oh no, it's, oh, it's him, this is the big wicket. And you can always see the team celebrating when they got him out. You know, they knew that that was basically the, the, the key wicket in many ways. Yes, you've got Alistair Cook at the top of the order, who was kind of a, a, another key wicket and a really like, important player. But Peterson was the one which he felt opposition teams were most concerned about and felt could take the game away from them at, at any point. And obviously, like, when you think about the reasons for not, you've got to take into account the other side of it, which is that he clearly did rub people up the wrong way and he struggled to get on with 
bits of the team at different points of his career. But then I also think, like, there's been documentaries recently about KP. I think the one which NASA was saying in front of was brilliant. Um, and his book, which, while grammatically is a disaster, um, it did lay bare some of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes that wasn't pleasant. And there was clearly an unpleasant team culture at points during that England team, which was not on his side. Like, if your teammate is linked to a Twitter account that is taking the piss out of you, that is going to upset you when you're meant to be this tight bond of a team. and the fact that Broad was linked to this KP genius account, that would have been hugely upsetting to him. So I think... Well, it, it's worth saying, it was, it was funny. I, read, I found all the tweets online the other day. I read through all of them and I laughed <laughs> every single one. They, like, they are funny. They are funny, but you can see why he'd be a bit miffed. And I just think he was so good, that stuff off the field isn't going to keep him being in my team. But, um, <laughs> and I just think he also, like, he adds something different that not, the rest of the batting lineup, by maybe Marcus Scoffick in terms of naked aggression can't or can't provide in the same way. So with the um, controversies as well, if you look, for example, um, when he texted um, the South Africans and got dropped, in that match he also played one of the most ridiculous innings I've ever seen where, where he smashed Philander, Stain and Morkel everywhere. He then gets dropped from the side for the text messages, but then gets recalled for the tour of India and then scores runs again. So I don't think the controversies really affected his batting or his contributions to the side. Oh, hardly ever. And even at the end, in the, that fateful Ashes series, 2013-14, lost 5-0, the breakup of the side, the end of Andy Flowers' reign. Ken Peterson was still a top-run scorer. Yeah. And so despite the whole, you know, you're kind of looking for him maybe to have offered more. And not only Mitchell Johnson, but Ryan Harris as well was bowling incredibly well. Yeah, every, every England player was struggling, and yet Kevin Peterson performed better than any of them did. And, and so you felt kind of, even throughout, even in his lowest moments, even at the point where it really did feel like it was all over, he was still our best player. But on a flip side of that, which I think is important, it's not like he only fell out with England. You know, he's had big fallings out of Nottinghamshire, uh, Hampshire, even back in school days, he had a, you know, a big falling out but back in South Africa. Um, which led to him moving to England. Well, he's definitely a spiky character. And I suppose maybe one of the questions is, how, how long do we want this, this team of ours to survive for? Because if Kevin Peterson did it, maybe we'll break up <laughs> after a couple of years. And we don't want that. I think the fact that we've already picked Michael Vaughan as captain will help us. Because I think Vaughan is a better man-management person than maybe other captains that KP played under. And I think he'd better know how to nurture his ego, how to make sure he was happy. I think Vaughan would do a better job of keeping KP content than maybe Cook or Strauss could, because Cook and Strauss were such solid guys themselves. I reckon they really struggled to deal with someone as complicated as Kevin Peterson. Whereas Vaughan is also a bit of a complicated guy, and I feel like he might be better suited to being Peterson's captain. But it's a good point, Rob. And so uh, it's therefore for the coach as well, because I mean, I, there's a good case. I think you pick Ken Peterson, you don't, you, you don't have Andy Flowers, okay? And so then to pick a team, I think our perfect team out of this decade involves our best player and our coach at loggerheads constantly. So you, can't have, you can't have Peter Moores either in that case. I actually think Paul Fairbrace could be in for a shout by the time we get there, but we'll, we'll leave that for oh, a we'll see, we'll see. We'll... The Peterson played his best cricket under Flower. Um, you know, he was player of the tournament in the World T20, um, yeah. in the Ashes, the um, India away. Those were all under Flower. So the fact that they didn't get on, I don't, maybe that brought out the best in Peterson. It's like he almost playing with a point to prove every time. 
Well, I mean, how he kind of seems to have spoken about it is like he just basically decides to ignore him. He just at no point that he's kind of he's just always going out and bat and whatever. The rest of the team can do. I, you know, I don't really care. Uh, and just kind of had himself in his own little bubble and he thought, well, I'm going to do well and be successful and you know, Andy Slack and take the team how he wants. For this all-conquering England side that we're putting together, I, I just don't know if that's the, the healthiest. Yeah, so I'm not really sure. Basically, what I'm trying to say is, wouldn't we just be so much happier with nice, friendly little Ian Bell at four? <laughs> we just, keep, just keep the peace. But I'm not actually sure about this claim that he played his best cricket under flower because you're right, he did play. I'm like, just looking at averages, and his best average by a country mile was he averaged 73, which is insane in the year 2011. But then, other than that, under flower it doesn't seem like he ever averaged 50 over 50. Whereas actually, 2006, 2007, 2008, he averaged pretty much dead on 50 every season. So he'd already made a very, very good start. He just then had one bump a year under Andy Flower. But I agree, it can't be the best relationship where he just your player ignores the coach. So yeah, friendly little Ian Bell at number four. I don't think he'd like being described that way, Rob. No, I'm sure um, he wouldn't. I mean, but I'm sure he prefer being called that. What was it that Shane Warne called him? Um, the Shermanator. Shermanator. <laughs> um, where, where's, where's that reference from? American Park? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's um, not a bad shout. But, I mean, looking at, his, looking at his stats, again, a lot of hundreds, 22 test hundreds, 46 test fifties, average of just shy of 43. I mean, they're, they're, they're not shabby at all. And he's, and he's a, everyone always says, like, technically a wonderful player. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So why not Ian Bell, Michael? You made a rather rude comment about him at the start. I just, um, so think for me of Ian Bell, and actually he did disprove this later on in his career, but for a large part of his career, the early and middle period, say, playing for England, he did only score tons when we were also tonning up everywhere else. He didn't turn up in the really tight key games. Um, and then I think it was the 2013 Ashes, he kind of put that to bed a bit. That was really Bell's ashes. It wasn't a great series to watch from a spectator's point of view, but it was the really low, slow green pitches, do you remember? And um, he scored three tons in that series. I think all in our pretty narrow wins. And he won us the ashes that year, so fair play. Yeah, because we, we basically had a side with basically with Alistair Kirk, Ian Bell, and James Anson, Stuart Broad. Yeah. So we were, we were, clean, we were clean, um, you know, cleaning up Australia pretty consistently. But uh, we're struggling for runs, but it was Ian Bally who stood up then and did score. But yeah. until then, he hadn't really done that for England, would be my claim, would be my argument. And not in the same way that Peterson did throughout his career. And for that reason, for me, Ian Bell gets pipped by Peterson. But I'd be interested to hear what Sean thinks. So, I, yeah, I think the criticism of Bell is that, um, yeah, he often scored runs when someone before him scored runs. And actually, if you want uh, my number four, I want someone who's going to um, be able to walk in at any time and take it on and score runs. And I don't, I'm not sure Ian Bell's quite that player. And I'd actually say the same about Joe Root. I don't think Joe Root seems to take ownership over the innings he's in. He almost seems to bat like he's coexisting with the matches he's in, but not influencing them. And I think I'd apply the same to Ian Bell. Well, it's interesting looking at Root's statistics stats on you know his conversion rate in particular. You think it's a Peterson fifty-eight times the past fifty in Test cricket, twenty-three of them converted the hundreds. So Root is you know already at sixty-five times his past fifty, but only converted seventeen to hundreds. It seems to be a, pro- a perennial problem. 
but he, sc he scores 50s, not 100s. And, he, and some of the 100s he has scored, like that big 200 against New Zealand, uh, just the winter has just gone. It was a pretty meaningless double 100. It was kind of yeah, a, so, um, a flat back. And then there's just a, I think there's a point you mentioned which is fair, that maybe he doesn't score the big runs when it, when it really matters again. So with um, Rui, I've had a look. Um, and he, he's only averaging 39 since the start of the 2017-18 Ashes. Um, he's only, he scored, he scored 432 games, but I think a couple of them have been in dead rubbers of series. Um, there was the one in the West Indies in the third test <clears throat> after they'd lost 2-0 and got battered in the first two tests. Or there was the one against India when he was batting in Alistair Cook's last match and he was sort of riding on the coattails of Alistair Cook. So I, I just wonder if, if maybe he's not contributing enough to that side. So for me, this is why Joe Root is more up for discussion at number five than number four. And why for me, Ian Bell isn't, for me, my number four, because they don't do it as much or as much as they should when the chips are down and the going's got really tough. And that's why for me, Joe Root's a bit more of a suitable player for five than Peterson is, because Joe Root could come in when top four have already put on stacks of runs. Because I guess also what we could say is if we're saying Ian Bell and Joe Root only make runs when everyone else has, we are picking our ultimate England eleven. We'd hope they make decent runs more often than not. So you'd hope they are late that that bottom four are laying a pretty good base. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. And so I don't I think from after number four, I don't think that are oh, they don't score runs in big moments matters so much. I'll, I'll take you up on that. I, I think that's fair. So we'll, we'll push Root and Bell back maybe for our next discussion uh, for number, number five. And so who this is, this is, by the way, this is Rob, very tactically thinking, <laughs> Rob, I'm not going to get Bell in at four. So let's just, let's just try next week. Let's try on Monday. <laughs> He's planting the seed. It's very well, clever. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, so Bell and Root have pushed back to, to, to next discussion. I've already, I'm just looking at so I've got on my list. I've discounted Nasser because he averages more than 10 less than Peterson. Uh, scored considerably for your 100 and his plenary is nowhere near as good. So he's out the running. So I've got three names left on, on the list that I've got here, which you guys haven't seen. Jonathan Trott, Paul Collingwood and Graham Thorpe. Go on, Sean, Jonathan Trott. We didn't pick him at three. Why should we therefore play at four? Ahead, ahead of Kevin Peterson. Um, so with Trot for me, again, he was a massive part of the best test side we have had in this period we're discussing. I think, the, you know, they won the Ashes in Australia, they won in India, and Trot scored big runs in both series. Again, he did, he scored okay, he batted three most of his career, but he did he did play a few tests at four and did pretty well there. He was ICC Cricketer of the Year, I think in 2011. You know, he was averaging 50 in both tests and one days for quite a long time. And while we were busy making him our scapegoat. He was still just churning out the runs. And I just, um, I know you guys argued that he perhaps he didn't play in an era with as strong bowling as, say, a Peterson or a Vaughan. But that Ashes team that played in Australia, they still played against Mitchell Johnson, Ryan Harris, Peter Siddle, and some other bowl. Like Hilfenhouse did actually have quite a good test record. No, I so, liked Ben Hilfenhouse was a good bowler. I think we were being a bit mean to Hilfenhouse. So I think. Um, to sort of discount Schrock because of the era he played in, where actually maybe we should give credit to a fantastic England side, I think it's a little bit unfair. So I think it's all fair points, but I think if Jonathan Trott was going to get into this team, he'd got in at three. And I think it'd be a real push to put Trott in over Peterson. And I still want to push back that 
he couldn't he couldn't hack the short ball that well. He got he got he got bullied out. So yeah, he bowled, played against Ryan Harris and Mitchell Johnson. They ran rings around it, uh, and so. You know, and there was a feeling that again, I, I thought he was a player who benefited from the players, the players around him. He had a quality top order ahead of him. Had Kevin Peterson and Ian Bell coming after him. I, you know, I, I think as far as like, I think he got, yeah, I, I think he had a fairly easy ride in some contexts. And so, great player, no doubt, excellent record. He would, well, obviously, famously after Mark Butcher would be our third choice at number three. Famously, he, he, look, he's run in this discussion, but yeah, I, I just wonder if he's that he's that grade down from a from a pizza and aura roots. Also, he only did it for two years, which isn't his fault. I mean, he only came to test cricket late, but he hasn't got the sheer weight of runs that the others do in terms of like years spent at this top, top level for me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But I wonder if, um, would Bell and the likes of Bell and Peterson have done so well in that time without the consistency of Jonathan Trotter three? Um, I think you certainly say that for Bell. I feel like Peterson was pretty consistent. Well, and we, as you've heard from Michael, in fact, performed better uh, prior to uh, <laughs> the Andy Flower era and therefore Jonathan Trotts uh, arrived in the England team. But yeah, I, 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 there is a bit of a chicken in the egg kind of, kind of idea there. Like, you can't, it's, it, yeah, like it would feel harsh to say that, um, I don't know, someone like a Mark War was only, only scored back to runs because Steve Waugh was scoring runs as well and so was Mark Taylor and so was later day Ricky Ponting. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, maybe they were scoring runs because Mark Waugh was scoring runs. And so I, I think, think there's always that aspect to it. I think, I think despite the vote last week, I think we can all agree that Jonathan Trott is a very worthy runner-up to the number three slot. Okay. But, uh, he came third in your vote. Well, yeah. correct. yeah, I don't know how. Rob did some sort of wizardry. To <laughs> and but, I will be, um, I'll be editing out that comment from Michael in the final cast <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, but anyway, I think Trot is a very good candidate for free, but I wouldn't. He's not. He's not making it into. He's not making it into my team elsewhere. I think. Unless maybe enough. you can make the case for Sean to add some ballast down the order at number seven, eight, to dig the team out and bowl a few meadows. Oh, but didn't he bowl some lovely medium pace, though? Yeah, he did, he did. <laughs> um, should we just... Uh, Rob, do you want to talk about Graham Thorpe? Well, yeah, so Thorpe's an interesting one. Kind of, uh, again, a very, very respectable record. 6,700 runs, an average of 44.66. 1,600s, and back in the time when England weren't, weren't great at all. And Michael Vaughan, in fact, famously said that from the kind of England team he inherited into the one that played the 2005 Ashes, Graham Thorpe was the only player he would have had in there, uh, like in hindsight, and was the only one they really wanted to sort of carry on with him. But yeah, a, a magnificent record in so, so many ways. And uh, a top player. And I think because he maybe played in the era where England weren't quite so successful, he's one easy to forget. But his, but his record speaks for himself. And, it, you know, it's significantly better than, dare I say, the great Mark Butcher and Nasser Hussain and Mike Batterson in terms of average, in terms of run scored. And so, yeah, I think it's, you know, I, I feel like he's not going to get a look in here. We're not going to pick him. But it would feel remiss, certainly, at least not to mention him. No, I think it's definitely worth mentioning him. And it's interesting that Vaughan said that because with the benefit of hindsight, Ian Bell didn't have a great 2005 Ashes. He only scored 150. He looks a bit overawed. He got called the Shermanator, and that might have scared him a bit. Um, and it might well have been better to have a bit of a grizzled veteran in that middle order, Graham Thorpe. So, yeah, that's interesting that Vaughan said that, because I'd probably agree, looking back. Um, and his average is good. His average is 44. 
And he was also, like you said, playing in a period when England weren't doing so well. And he was playing bloody good bowlers. Like, you know, there were some seriously good bowling attacks he was having to face, not, not least from the Australians. So he's definitely worth a shout. But for me, like, my cricketing interest got awakened by the 2005 Ashes. So I just don't really have any memories to call upon of Graham Yeah, before. same with me. And uh, there's definitely a feeling as well with Thorpe. When we were talking about those moments and those feelings. He was never a player that really stirred much emotional feeling as yeah others did before you know before so I'm thinking of kind of as we so we'll talk about Steve Harmson I mean, even running through the West Indies in 2004 and then you know bowling bumpers at Ricky Ponting on the first day of the Ashes and you know those kind of they're kind of a real feeling awakens you in those moments and some of the hundreds we've spoken about with Peterson final day of Ashes 2005 India away Australia away the big double hundred in Adelaide those are kind of oh yeah wow that, that was fantastic so thought that there's no real innings that I kind of or moments he was just kind of there and scored runs and he definitely I can't quite remember when but he definitely scored a double hundred once it was a really good knock that I kind of have vague mem- memories of but maybe maybe that's my mind playing tricks on me uh, but he, yeah it's just he wasn't quite yeah he didn't stir feelings or emotions in, in, in me or maybe in, in any of us like some of the others do because that's part of, the, of it as well Yes, on paper, his numbers are good. And yes, he was a good player. But is he that, again, that dominant figure at four that, that we're after? He did score 200 not out in tests. I'm just trying to work out who it was against. Um, against New Zealand at Christchurch in 2002. Yeah. Uh, again, I've just got no memory of that. So for me, yeah, maybe if this podcast was being done by people five years younger than us, thought would be in with more of a shout. And there'd be less of this nonsense about Jonathan Trott. But... Um, <laughs> I think for now, I think for now, for me, my choice has still got to be KP. Although I will just say, or maybe this is another one to be shunted back to the number five discussion. Paul Collingwood, his average was yeah. forty, average forty point five, unbelievable fielder, both decent right arm meadows, clearly a great player to have around the team, and just so much grit. <laughs> you know, some real moments. That Cardiff Test, he did so much of the work to get us there before Monty and. Jimmy got us home. Like, I don't know, Collingwood for me has always got to be in with a shout when you're talking about these England teams in the last 20 years. Yeah, I agree. Um, I definitely have Collingwood in the discussion. So I used to think he was overrated, but then I had a look and actually, maybe now I think perhaps he wasn't the most talented cricketer, but there's a lot to be said for someone who made the most of their talent um, and his achievements are fantastic. But I've got a stat here. So he actually averaged 44 away from home and 36 at home in test matches. And Given modern test cricket, where teams are so dominant at home, that struggle away from home, especially with England, I think there's a lot to be said for having a batsman in your side who is very strong away from home. Yeah. Actually, Cricket Info is also telling me that he averaged he averaged more at four than he did at five or six. So, okay, he didn't play very many games, but he averaged 45 there in eight matches. So perhaps he could bat four. It'd be, a, it'd be a brave call to bin off KP at the last on, I, I fancy getting behind it, you know. I just think he's a, he, offer, he offers something different, right? As you said, there's that real grit that, that helps just dig in hard. Uh, you think of the amount of times that Kevin Peterson threw his wicket away aimlessly, you know, trying to sweep a ball that's miles outside off stump or just kind of swiping at one across the line when he was on about 15. What are you doing? Paul Collins was somebody who didn't give his wicket away easily. And surely a great side has batsmen in there that are 
near impossible to get out. It is. It yeah, would be funny to not include Peterson just because of how annoyed it would make a few different people. I mean, <laughs> I've had messages just saying you better not, <laughs> you better not bid off Peterson because he has to be in. Um, I just like Rogue One. Any chance we could just get the gloves on Collingwood, just get him keeping. Uh, and then we get his grit. He's already a really good stepfielder, so he could probably keep. And there's no keepers that I particularly want. Oh, this is now that is really a really interesting idea. Now that again is that's gonna be highly controversial. But I was going to the wicket keepers, and at the moment my favourite in the wicket keeper of my living memory uh, is Tim Ambrose. Oh what? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I'm pushing hard to have Tim Ambrose inside. And like we're we're, we're really struggling for that. I mean you go I, I was at Alex Stewart's last test at the Oval in two thousand three, but he very much feels like a player of the nineties. Um Garrett Jones was a terrible wicketkeeper. And I also didn't really like him. I, I don't know why. Matt Pryor, like, well if we're having KP, we can't have Matt Pryor. So I, I just thought <laughs> I'm concerned. I feel that you've got to pick one of the two and there's only one winner out of that. Lost. We'll put Trot at four then and have prior keeping. But... Oh, but I don't really like Matt Pryor. He's got a really nice record in his first test against the West Indies. But I'll, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I mean, he'll obviously factor in the discussion, but I'm not a Matt Pryor fan. And, yeah, well, maybe Paul Collingwood could make an appearance as our wicketkeeper, as a rogue wicketkeeper choice in a couple of weeks if he's not going to be Wouldn't that be amazing? This world beating team. That just can't win games because their keeper keeps dropping regulation catches. Yeah, sounds, like, <laughs> sounds like England, 2000, like circa 2004 through 2006, with Gary Jones. Gary Jones think, was a wonderful player to watch back when he was pinging it. Yeah, but the bloke couldn't catch and he's a wicket keeper. So that, that is a pretty important, important factor to it. But finally, well, I think, back to our discussion, we're getting sidetracked here. The wicket keeper one, I think, will be a lively one. But it, Sean, any final. Please for Collingwood, or are you for? Yeah, I was just going to say, but, um, with Collingwood, you get the joys of watching him in the slips, and um, he could be a good vice captain to Vaughan. Bearing in mind, you know, he did captain our first, um, yeah, um, you know, World Cup win um, in men's cricket when he um, when they won the World T Twenty. And was he the maybe not the first person ever, but the first Englishman to score a five and take a hundred in the same one day game? It was against Bangladesh, definitely. But I'm pretty sure it was the first, definitely the first Englishman to do it, and possibly the first person to do it. I know this is the test team, but I, I think that's pretty, still pretty impressive and, and noticeable. Yeah, I, 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 I do think, and ultimately it's pretty clear, I think we're coming into land that, and unsurprisingly, given he is the best batsman of our, of our lifetime, one of the best batsmen in world cricket over the last 20 years, Kevin Peterson's going to be our number four. But I think Paul Collingwood is going to factor at five, six, and possibly even seven if this discussion continues. I think so. I think Paul Collingwood has put himself firmly amongst the pigeons for the rest of this, uh, for the rest of the discussions. Well, there we have it then. We've, I think we've all, I need a final confirmation, but Sean, who, who is your pick at number four? Jonathan Trott. <laughs> Michael, who's your pick at number four? Sean, you may not come back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, my pick at number four is KP. And um, yeah, and likewise for me, Kevin Peterson, comfortably. For, for me, like, no, it's actually been, as we discussed it, more clear-cut than I was anticipating. Uh, I, I like how you really rapidly retreated for me and Bell at number four. <laughs> yeah, well, I got a, I got a pretty threatening message from a colleague saying if Ian Bell isn't selected, there will be consequences. And 
Now, now he, he's, he's not in a position of responsibility over me, so I'm not going to lose my job over this. But I, I, I thought, I didn't really want to, you know, irritate this guy too much. And so I thought maybe, maybe I'd give a token shout-out to Ian Bell. But, and I, I will be pushing him potentially number five, actually, like, sincerely. But, um, yeah, I think, I mean, it's just so clear. Kevin Peterson is the best. And I think, I love Alistair Cook, but I think, it's, like, it's been for pure ability and X factor. Kevin Peterson is England's best, has been England's best batsman, and he would be the best batsman in this team. And you look at it, if you put the teams on paper, our, our team without Kevin Peterson and our team with Kevin Peterson, and told my position which one would he rather play, they're always going to pick the one without him. And I think that, that really is enough to, for him to warrant being, being selected. I'd agree. Yeah, I'd... I do, I do, I would actually vote for Peterson, but I just wanted Jonathan Trott to get a vote, knowing that you guys would vote for Peterson. Um, <laughs> well, it's the first time Jonathan Trott's now stood in um, sort of Hillary Clinton style, has, has stood multiple times now for positions and has, has been, well, finally, though, and from you, Sean, has, has picked up a, a vote. Will he make an appearance on Monday at number five, do you think, Michael? Or are we putting Jonathan Trot to bed, to bed for well, him? Well, I'm pretty confident he won't because my dad is a bit of a traditionalist and doesn't really like English cricket teams being fooled with South African cricketers. And so I don't think he'll be pushing for Jonathan Trot anywhere in the lineup, um, especially not a rogue position like number five. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. I might, yeah, my dad would, I think dad's got his eyes on some slightly more exciting players to back at number five, I think. So uh, that is then, as you might have heard, a little sort of preview of what's coming on Monday. We've got a very exciting double guest of David Kiniston uh, and Anthony Starman, our respective fathers, will be joining us on Bank Holiday Monday to discuss who will be at number five. Um, But for this week, Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot, Sean. And Um, don't overlook Tim Bresnan is my parting comment. Okay. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to tell you now, Sean, Tim Bresnan is not going to be selected in this team. But um, <laughs> nonetheless, thank you. Oh, for your Rob, he bowls a heavy ball. He bowls a heavy ball. Look at his Ashes record. 2010-11, what a player. World T20 winner as well. What amazing cricketer. And just burly and northern and seemed like quite a nice bloke. And very successful. Well, yeah, he certainly had a good record, but I, but I, I wonder if he'll miss he out. He, like Ian Bell and others, piled onto teams that were already defeated. In those, his two great series were the Ashes away and then India at home, both of which he played teams that were being pummeled anyway. But anyway, he bowls a heavy ball. <laughs> he bowls a heavy ball, and that, that is important. There we go then. Alistair Cook, Marcus Viscothic, Michael Vaughan captain, Kevin Peterson. That is a good top four. That is a good top four. It's also... I think if you did a poll of cricket fan, you know, English cricket fans, that probably, with each position, I imagine that is what they'd all come out with. Well, that would be the majority selection for top four. So maybe we're playing safe, maybe we're being a bit boring, or maybe they are, and indisputably, the standout players. I tell you what, that's an exciting top four as well. Like, it, it, it is. It's a quality, it's just a, it is a quality top, top four, basically, in, in, in every way. So Maybe you need a gritty number five. Do we? Or is it going to be more fireworks at five? Is it going to be a five, <laughs> six, seven of um, Stokes, Flintoff, Bresnan maybe? Who knows? Anyway, all to come in a later episode. And thank you very much for joining us. Both of you, stay safe. Uh, enjoy your bank holiday. And Michael, I'll, I'll speak to you on Monday. Great stuff. See you guys. See you guys.
I know where you finished, so we'll pick up from there again in a sec. All right. See you in a sec. Bye.